Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your game tickets from the longtime trusted source in Wisconsin, Ticket King. Visit their locations in Milwaukee and Green Bay or just go to their website, theticketking.com. Again, that's theticketking.com. Our listeners can save 10% off of all Ticket King's already low prices on Packers tickets by using the code PT10 when they order at theticketking.com. Offer expires August 31st. Again, that is PT10. That's the code you want to enter at checkout to get 10% off your Packers tickets. You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. My co-host is my good friend, Gil Martin. In addition to this show, I host Cheese and Packers. Gil is the host of Locked On NHL. He also writes for the Packers Post and Cheesehead TV. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Gil, I'm disappointed to report that the Packers... Season is now over, having lost the preseason game to the 49ers. <laughs> All right, so we did get some good looks at some of these young guys. Um, felt like uh, when we heard the coaches speaking on Thursday, there was a little bit of a sentiment of that guys were still knocking some of the rust off, and so it was a little hard to evaluate how how good some of these guys actually were. There was a little bit more about getting them into game shape, which I, I can appreciate. But overall takeaways, um, the, the biggest thing that I came away with from the preseason game was feeling optimistic about the offensive line. You know, they've looked so terrible in camp. And the fact that they came out and took care of business against the Niners really makes you feel good about the Packers defensive line that maybe they are just so disruptive and problematic that they, that anybody's going to look terrible against them. And I, you know, I, I probably shouldn't use this word, but we're in late August. I'm getting excited. So I, I, I'll go ahead and throw it out there and you can, you can uh, feel free to back away from it. I think that with the talent we have on paper, this defensive line could have the potential to be historic. I just, I'm excited about where Rashawn's going to be after last year. You got Preston back. If you can get a third guy in the rotation, just so that the quality of a pass rush doesn't drop off paired with this stout interior, Kenny Clark, who you hope is going to, um, you know, maybe come out of the gate roaring as opposed to his typical December, Kenny, sort of a thing where he's slow until the end when he's not. Uh, but you got Jaron Reed. I've been saying his name wrong this whole time. You got Dean Lowry. Um, TJ Slayton appears to be coming on. I think the run defense is still an issue for him, which it, sh- it shouldn't be. He needs to step that up a bit. And then whatever Devontae Wyatt can turn himself into over the course of this season, it's all there on paper. So I, uh, the H word historic, I probably shouldn't throw that out, but I'm, I'm doing it in August. I'm not ready to go historic yet, but I'll settle for dominant. I'll, I'll be very happy with dominant. Uh, and and I think certainly 
to to roll it back a little bit because I think historic you're talking about what like the 2000 Ravens the 85 Bears like where are you going with that uh but I think we are in a situation where this easily could be the Packers best defense since 2010 and we all know what happened in 2010 I think Rashawn Gary is the number one reason to be excited here just how dominant he was last year and I I I vividly recall in the early part of last year, I think even through like week seven or eight, I still was having to deal with morons on social media who were coming at me saying that uh, Rashawn was a terrible pick. And I'm just going, if you don't see it now, I don't know when you're ever going to see it. Does he have to win defensive player of the year? Cause he might just do that in 2022. <laughs> uh, but if, you know, if you look at his pressure rates last year, he had a historically good, year in terms of pressure rates far and away above uh what anybody else does it's 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 absolutely absurd he was what third in the league in in pressure rate last year he really was uh playing at a very high level and you know he hasn't reached his full potential yet uh so i'm looking forward to seeing what rashawn gary can accomplish this season all all the arrows are pointing up but I think the other thing is there is so much more talent around him. You go up and down this lineup and depth is a problem at a few positions, but you know what? There is a pro bowl defensive lineman in Kenny Clark. There is an all pro interior linebacker in Devondre Campbell. There is uh, Jair Alexander, who is a pro bowl cornerback. Uh, you add to that, the fact that seven of the starters on this defense will be former first-round picks, the athleticism. Uh, can you believe this when you're talking about this defense? The one position on this defense that I think has the most depth is the defensive line. Now, who would have thought? Who would have said that about a Packers defensive line in the last eight, nine, ten Never. years? Yeah. So, uh, the, on paper, the defense is looking very good, and if you were able to watch or read about what was happening at the joint practices this week, some of the depth questions, for example, depth at edge rusher, you got a couple of guys who are really kind of stepping up and, 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 you know, they're not there yet, but uh, you know, your namesake, uh, JJ Enigbare there, uh, he, he's picking up his game this week, looking very good in the joint practices, mm -hmm. making some sacks, making some pressures. Uh, we're seeing flashes from some of the backup guys and, and you know, the, maybe the uh, some of the third-string safeties as well. So some of those depth questions, I think, are starting to get answered, and that's encouraging as well. Yeah, uh, Rashawn Gary, by the way, had 17.4% pressure rate, higher than uh, the pressure rate that Zadarius had in 2019, which was uh, easily the best year of his career. Yep. Uh, Rashawn was just an absolute freak. And then his, uh, where is this? His, so it's not, not a stat that I really like very much, but pass rush win rate. I think he was 35.2%, uh, which uh, I might be wrong about this. I think that is the second highest in history. And, the highest in history was also recorded last year by Max Crosby. But prior to that, uh, that would have been the highest in history. 
Yeah, it was an impressive season. And now I think the key for Gary to take his game to the next level, get the, the, those pressures and convert even a, like a third of them, a quarter of them, 20% of them into sacks, get a little bit or knockdowns or, you know, get a little bit closer, get a little bit more closing uh, speed. And then you're talking about double digit sacks and all pro season and sort of taking it to that level that we all saw the potential for when he was drafted based on his athletic scores, but didn't see right away on the field. Yeah. All right. I got a a better number here. It it was, uh, I don't know where I got that 35 from. He had a 26% pass rush win rate last year. And for comparison, miles Garrett is sitting at 22.5 TJ Watt sitting at 22.3. So yeah, only Max Crosby has ever been higher. And also since, uh, is this right? Since 2020, Rashawn Gary has had the fourth most pressures in the NFL. Uh, but as you say, if he can, if he can get those counting stats a little bit higher, I think that makes a pretty good case for him for defensive player of the year. Although we all know it takes the media, the national media a little while to kind of catch on to that sort of thing. They might make him do it two years in a row before they decide to acknowledge him as the real deal. Instead of just a fluke. Definitely possible. But yet at the same time, I think, the national media looking at the numbers he put up with the pressures. I I think more people are sort of aware of his potential and that he's on the precipice of, of greatness. And I think, you know, if he can get those sack numbers up this year, I think he's got a shot at certainly the pro bowl, maybe all pro and, you know, defensive player of the year, there's one, but uh, you know, I'll I'll say, I'll say all pro for Rashawn Gary this year. Fair enough. I, I would agree with that. Well, you know, we made a major acquisition this week that I think is going to clearly vault us into Super Bowl favorite status. <laughs> we picked up Travis Fulgham, the again. Travis Fulgham. Yeah. <laughs> he Stage up all over again. He <laughs> was a 2020 training camp phenom. Um, and uh, we cut ties with him. He went to Philly, who had no receivers, and he ended up having a huge year for Philly. Didn't do anything last year, uh, but he's back in town. Interestingly, and, and you know, obviously, there's the potential that we're reading too much into this, but he put up an Instagram post like uh, not long after he was claimed by the Packers with um, a picture of himself with like a frustrated-looking face and the caption "mood." So I'm not sure that he's too tickled to be back in Green Bay who had cut him um, a couple years ago. There might be some hurt feelings there. Regardless, he's wide receiver 11. So I'm just not seeing the play here. I'm not seeing what's going on here. This is the most uh, crowded room on the entire roster wide receiver. It, it is, but you also have to remember that there are some injuries here. Danny Davis banged up. Christian Watson still not uh, practicing fully with the team. They don't want to play, you know, they they don't want to play Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb, uh, Alan Lazard in these preseason games. So when you add the injuries and the guys you want to rest, they need some bodies for the preseason games and for practices. And and that's why I think we see uh, this signing this week. Fair. All right. Here's what I want to do today. We're going to go through 
rising and falling stock uh, based on the 49ers game. We're going to talk about who has kind of improved their odds of making the roster or the practice squad compared to a week ago. Talk about who didn't have such a good game and uh, maybe make uh, a couple picks here for where we see some position battles shaking out at this point. Um, we're going to skip quarterback because, uh, unless you want to talk about quarterback. I still think two quarterbacks and, and Jordan Love looked uh, good, but not elite. Well, yeah, he's look, he's still in the process of learning. I, I think there are a lot of encouraging signs about Jordan yeah. Love. Uh, definitely more confident, definitely knows what to do and, and seems to to do it. But then, you know, some of those passes that he missed with the lack of accuracy, yeah. those two little sideline, you know. Those are the ones I go back to over and over. Patrick yep. Taylor, that should have been two easy, give me six-yard completions, and he Tyler missed Goodson. them both. Yeah. So, you know, those are the things he still needs to work on. I was disappointed more than anything else that he only played the first half. Oh, I was livid. I was, he should have at least played three quarters or at least two and a half. I mean, minimum. The the Packers have to make a decision about his fifth year option in a matter of a few months. And we don't know how many regular season games he's going to play in. Nobody, nobody knew for sure that, uh, Rogers was going to get COVID last year and we, he would get the whole Saint, uh, Chiefs game or that he'd play a half uh, versus the Saints to start the year, um, which was one of his better looks. Uh, the Lions game you saw coming from a mile away. You knew that's kind of how that was going to shake out. But he needs every and, and look and he missed so much of the preseason. What was it last year? Right. So frustrating. You missed and he had, one of the three games with an injury and part of another. Yeah, and one and the, a half. Yeah. And, and and you had his rookie season was so derailed by COVID. I don't understand. You cannot make a good case to me for giving reps to Danny Etling. It's certainly not a whole half. Well, that that's the thing. Like, honestly, if Danny Etling went out there and completed 21 of 21 passes for 400 yards and five touchdowns, tells you nothing. would it move the needle at all? I mean, he's not going up against the the third and fourth string. He's going up against the third and fourth string defense for the 49ers. He's not playing against real players. He's playing against the 49ers practice squad at that point. So I don't care how good he looks and he's not making reads. He's not reading the defense. He's holding the ball for a second and a half before deciding to scramble uh, bail out of the pocket. And, and even if he did look good, we're not keeping a third quarterback on the roster. even if- Right, exactly. So so the, my point was, if, if you throw him out there for a quarter, now, you he's know. He's going to run the, the scout team in the regular season. That's exactly. It. He's on the practice squad. Look, do I feel a little bit better about him as the third quarterback than I did before last week's game? Yeah, I do. But it, I'll say it this way. If but, but hang taking- on. But he, he wouldn't even be our third string quarterback because if Rodgers got hurt or if Love got hurt, are they going to promote Danny Etling from the practice squad to be the number two for a game? They're not. They're going to bring in a Blake Bortles or somebody for a week to fill in. If you are putting Danny Etling on the field for any kind of meaningful reps, other than a kneel down, like what Kurt Banker got last year, right? You're not winning squat Danny Etling and, and any of these third string quarterbacks are not real players. They are, Guys who can run the scout team for you in practice. That's all they are. Well, the point is that no matter what he did, it wasn't going to move the needle for him 
or for the team. And that's why I didn't understand why they took him out. Now, you know, they said they were concerned about the offensive line and protection and they didn't want love to get hurt. But this is, you know, hopefully these three preseason games are the only meaningful snaps that Jordan Love takes all year. You want to see what he could do. What Danny Etling can do is nice, but not significant. All right. Uh, Running backs. So Patrick Taylor, Tyler Goodson, Dexter Williams are the three guys who played. Um, Well, there was a fourth, but he's gone. B.J. Baylor. I already forgot about him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> B, you know, BJ was fun to watch, but yes, the second they're not on the team anymore, I, I start to forget about him. Uh, so his, his stock dropped so drastically that he, you know, lost his roster spot. Right. Uh, right. Patrick Taylor, Tyler Goodson. What are your thoughts on those two guys? I, I think Goodson helped himself with his performance last week, showed good burst, showed the ability to, uh, to run after the catch and to, uh, sort of pick which holes he wants to go through. And I think Patrick Taylor, kind of his stock, I don't know if it went down, but it certainly didn't go up. Uh, it went down maybe relative to who he's competing against. Uh, he didn't, you know, what he rushed three times for 10 yards, didn't show anything special. We talked about the bad passes that were thrown in his direction by Jordan Love, but did not connect. And I blame he- Love for that more than Taylor, but uh, Taylor graded out really poorly too. He had a 20 yeah, receiving grade. His rushing grade was a 57, which is below average 60 is average. So he didn't show anything special. And I think that, you know, Goodson made a, a positive impression. So Taylor, who just was average, let's say, or a little below average uh, loses points as a result of the competition playing better than he did. Uh, Goodson. Or Taylor does Goodson Taylor. No, Taylor loses points. Goodson gains. Yes. Okay. That, that was my take as well. Um, I do have, um, blocking grades for these guys. So Tyler Goodson did run block a little bit, which I don't recall, but, um, didn't do anything good or bad on that play. Just got a 60 grade. He did pass block two times. He had a 76.7. He was overall a positive in blocking. Patrick Taylor, the one thing he did do well was pass blocking. So 38.8 was his overall grade, but pass blocking grade actually was 82.4. Again, it was only four reps in pass pro, so it didn't contribute a ton to his overall grade. That was one little bright spot for him there. Well, yeah, and that's important because, you know, that's the kind of thing that kept Dexter Williams off the field when he was with the Packers in 2019 and 2020. It's the kind of thing that kept, uh, you know, AJ Dillon a little bit off the field, his rookie Mm -hmm. year, although obviously having Jamal Williams uh, and Aaron Jones ahead of him was a bigger part of it. But, you know, what you do when you're not carrying the ball is important in this offense. So having that grade be good and knowing that he's a good receiver definitely work in his favor. Well, and I think that uh, pass blocking was the reason why Kylan Hill got the RB three job last year uh, yeah. in the pre three preseason games. He came out with a, a, a total uh, 81.5 pass blocking grade, which is certainly good. Um, and it kind of offset that his uh, receiving and rushing grades really were not that good. I think that, you know, Pass pro is Matt LaFleur's number one priority 
in you as a uh, an RB3. So we need a guy who can be out there. Look, we don't have to run the ball, but we absolutely need somebody. If something, you know, if, if we only have uh, just one of Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon available due to injury or whatever, and we need to uh, give one of these guys a break, look, we're not, we're not going to run the ball with Kylan Hill or Tyler Goodson probably, but we need a guy who can pick up a blitzer uh, and, and who could be trusted to go, to go out there. And that's huge priority of the floors. Absolutely. So, uh, and then Dexter Williams um, looked good while he was out there. I, th- I think he probably starts off probably relatively far behind the other guys who have been in camp for a while, but you know, they needed some depth in there for this game and Dexter got the call. He wouldn't have gotten the call if there was no chance of him winning a roster spot. No, and it was good to see Dexter back. I I always kind of liked his potential, was disappointed. He never fully realized it. But, you know, let's see what he could do. He had the one long run, looked very good on that. Yep. And But again, you know, his big issue was not running with the ball. It was pass blocking and running the right routes when he had to go out as a receiver. So we have to see, uh, given if he gets more reps against the Saints in preseason game number two, whether or not he's taken a step forward in those two areas. Well, and I will tell you, so he did not get any pass blocking opportunities in that game at all. He did run block twice, um, just had uh, average 60 grade, didn't do anything wrong, didn't do anything great. Um, as a uh, receiver, he did not do well. Uh, he had a 26.4 receiving grade and then um, 64, slightly above average uh, rushing grade. So there's your running backs. I agree that Tyler Goodson, for, to me, I would cement as uh, the leader in that room right now to, uh, you know, on that inside track to get the RB three job, but certainly not locked up as far as as receivers go. um, Anybody that you felt really stood out in a positive or negative way? Oh, well, I mean, look, Romeo dubs, I think certainly made a big impression. Uh, He did make mistakes. I think was a big impression. Was it a good impression? Well, it was, it was both. Uh, But he did make mistakes that a lot of people overlook because they look at the highlight package and they see the touchdown and they say, oh, yeah, he he did also make some mistakes uh, out there to clean up. Well, yeah, he's got to he's got to clean up the drops. He's got to run the right routes. But look, all of those things are growing pains that you expect from a rookie, especially a mid round draft pick. So they don't worry me so much. But I think, you know, everyone is on this hype train that, you know, Romeo Dobbs is the next Sterling Sharp or the next Jordy Nelson. Let's tone it down a little bit. Let's let him make the team, figure out what his role is going to be and see what he can develop into. He's promising. He is, for a a fourth-round draft choice, he looks darn good. But I'm not ready to, you know, put him in the Pro Bowl just yet. I'll tell you who looked really electric was Danny Davis. This is the first time I've really gotten to see him flash and excite and you know he had uh 45 yards and a touchdown on two targets uh no drops no incompletions dude looked really good while he was out there i thought he had good hands uh showed off a little bit bit of that speed i think he was doing a good job of um protecting the ball i did really like him i I like him too i 
don't know what his odds are of making the team. I think he's Probably got a better well, chance of making practice the squad. practice squad. Exactly. Uh, but, you know, he's doing what he needs to do to make that impression and make his case. Mario Rogers was getting a lot of love from the fans. I thought that he was just um, good. I, I didn't, didn't think he really shown a lot. I, I felt like most of the plays that he made, I felt like, kind of anybody who had run the correct route could have made that exact same play that he did. Um, and then, you know, you had the one really bad interception by love that um, was a result of Amari Rogers, not running the route correctly. Um, Aaron Rogers called him out for that. I, I think there's still a little bit of a gap between where he is and where you'd want him at this point in his career. I don't definitely not hating on him, but I think, um, I think he looked a little bit too much to me like he did a year ago for me to be super excited. Um, but uh, the other guy who really shown to me was Juwan Winfrey. And I mm-hmm. think, especially when you pair some comments from Aaron Rodgers after the game in the last uh, most recent couple of days, where he's talking about, look, you guys, he's talking to the receivers and he's saying, look, you got to clean up some of these mistakes that you're making over and over again. We can't have all these drops because you're not going to see the field and somebody else who is not dropping balls is going to get your reps. And he was talking to Romeo Dobbs talking about Juwan Winfrey. I completely believe that. I think that Winfrey had something to do with it. And then you have sort of that conundrum that, that debate over potential versus uh, production. And I, I, I think when you look at Jawan Winfrey, he is what he is. I don't think he has much more upside than what he's shown. Maybe he can be a little more consistent, but you know, he seems to me to be a guy who's going to excel in July and August and is going to be a fringe roster player come September, October, November. Maybe, uh, you know, he'll help out on special teams. He's reliable, but he's certainly not going to be a guy who's going to catch 40 or more passes and, string together some big hundred yard games. So I mean, he, he did catch three passes. He, he was targeted three times and hauled in all three of them in this game at 27 yep. yards. Um, he graded out well across the board. He didn't do anything even at an average level. He was had a good grade in every single category. I, I think that Juwan has really shown a lot uh, this this uh, preseason. I, I find it interesting. You know, this is why it's nice to have both of us on the show because you get differing perspectives and it's not just a, a you know echo chamber i i think that winfrey did improve his stock because of this game and i, I think that uh there was another guy in the room besides dobbs who i think you know we've already kind of touched on another guy who didn't do anything wrong but maybe saw his stock fall a bit this week because winfrey had such a solid game and that's samori too so if you look at the roster You've got five guys who I think are slam dunk rock solid. They're going to make the roster um, unless they uh, don't keep Sammy Watkins. And with the way Aaron Rodgers has been talking about him, I think that would upset him greatly. We got Al Lazard and Sammy Watkins and Randall Cobb. Rodgers has already said those three guys are going to be the ones who are going to be on the field the most to start the year. He thinks they're all making the roster. Then you got Christian Watson, obviously making the roster. Romeo Dobbs, obviously making the roster. So at that point, I think you you and I would agree there's no reason to cut Amari Rodgers, right? Right. That's six receivers right there. They usually keep five or six. So if they decide to keep a seventh, 
I think you're looking at Jawan Winfrey and Samori Toure, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's the only real contenders for that job. So uh, this is maybe a bad week for Toure, even though he didn't do anything wrong, just because Winfrey had such a solid game and Rogers was praising him. That to me kind of necessarily uh, is bad news for Toure. Well, the the good news for Toure is this week at the joint practices with the Saints, he looked better than he yeah. had in the preseason yeah. game. So, you know, that's a positive for Toure. And I wonder, you know, I, I wonder if the way Aaron Rodgers is going out of his way to praise Juwan Winfrey is partially because he does genuinely appreciate Winfrey's consistency and ability, but also partially to hold him up as a little bit of a role model for the young receivers. Watch this guy. He does things the right way. He may not be as fast as you or as big as you or, you know, have as much natural athletic ability as you. But if you want to be more successful in this league, watch what he does and do similar things because he knows what he's doing. Anything else we need to touch on in the wide receiver room? I think that's pretty much it for the receivers. All right, let's talk about tight ends. This one might get a little bit heated just because I think a lot of people have opinions on this. And (laughs) I certainly had a lot of discussions with with folks on Twitter this week. You and I have not had a chance to talk about tight ends. I I felt like Tyler Davis, other than as a uh, pass blocker where he did a good job, I thought he looked about as bad as he could have looked. I was really not impressed with him as a run blocker, as a receiver. His routes looked terrible. Hands were dreadful. Uh, He caused an interception. I'm starting to really wonder what the heck anybody sees in Tyler Davis. And I know his athleticism is off the charts. He's a big, tall, strong, fast guy. And I know he had that good game against Baltimore last week. But I've never been on the Tyler Davis train and at this point, I'm looking at the guy selling tickets and going, huh? <laughs> yeah, Davis did not look good uh, in that game. Obviously, you know, he had a potential catch go through his hands that ended up being an interception. That certainly doesn't help your grade. Uh, he didn't show anything. And I think the fact that the Packers signed another tight end Nate this Baker. week yep. Even after releasing Dominique Daphne, which I was a little disappointed. I thought he'd at least last a yeah. little longer into camp if he did eventually get cut. But, uh, you know, I, I just think that Davis really needs to bounce back this week against the Saints. Or, you know, potential is one thing, but if you're showing me that little on the field, uh, we have to find someone who can do better. Yeah, and uh, Davis got a lot of reps. Um, the, I mean, the only people who were getting more reps than him throughout the course of the game, for the most part, were offensive linemen. Uh, he had 26 reps. There were a couple of receivers who had uh, 28 and 29, but most everybody on the team had fewer reps than Tyler Davis did. It, it, to me, it felt like they were just like, all right, we got to give this guy more of an opportunity because he's had such a slow, sucky start to the game. Like, does he need a little bit of time to get going? Uh, so he had 12 blocking reps. Uh, 11 were run blocking. One was pass blocking. And that's where that, uh, that good pass blocking grade came from was literally one rep. And then the rest of the time, 
uh, 14 reps, he was running routes. And I thought doing a pretty horrible job of it. Now, refresh my memory. Uh, I'm kind of blanking out. Who was the player who was off, who lined up offside on the fourth down play uh, that ended up costing the Packers a drive? I don't remember. I know it was somebody I like. Um, I, I, was, it was either I was changing a diaper at the time. Ah, okay. I think it was either Tyler Davis or Danny Davis. I'm trying to remember which one it was. Let me uh, see. My, this should have penalties listed here. Uh, I got to go to his page. Did he have any penalties in this game? Davis. Where's the penalties column? I know it's on here. Penalties, penalties. Maybe they don't track penalties for preseason games. Preseason games. Yeah, that's definitely possible. Well, but but I do know somebody did that, and, and it was a very costly thing. It turned a fourth down conversion into nothing. Uh, and, and then you had the, the very badly shanked field goal uh, that, that followed that. That was so – I mean, I think have closer. Thankfully, Burkich is all, he's gone now. That, yes. That, a couple weeks too late, in my opinion, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> we, got a new, we got a new kicker in camp now, um, Ramiz Ahmed. I, I, I think that's how you say his first name. But, I think that's right, yeah. But uh, it, it, he's a camp body. Um Maybe he'll get stashed on the practice squad at some point. We'll see. I, when we talked to um, Chris Jackie, he had kind of floated the idea of maybe you keep a second young kicker on the roster just to handle like kickoffs, right? And save uh, Mason's leg for when you need his accuracy. Uh, I don't know that uh, the Packers brass is really considering that, but I, I don't hate the idea of of uh, trying to do that. Yeah, I yeah. The only reason I hesitate is because we've talked about the receiver depth. We've talked about yeah. a number of other positions where they may want to sneak an extra player. And also depending on special teams coverages and, and return specialists and the like. But yeah, in theory, I don't think it's a bad idea. It just may be a luxury they can't necessarily afford. So if Tyler Davis's stock went down, I felt like Elise Max stock went up. He got 24 snaps in this game, 14 blocking, uh, 10 receiving. Um, as a blocker, he was fine as a pass blocker, did a really good job as a run blocker. He, again, yes. he only had one pass blocking rep, but 13 run blocking reps had an 80 grade, and I felt that that was pretty deserved when I was watching him. I thought he looked pretty darn good. Uh, unfortunately, uh, was not used. He was not targeted in um when he was out there running routes so um and I, I didn't think that he looked that special running routes but as a blocker you know elise mac is is reminding me of mercedes lewis very strongly and he's jacked and that would be a very good thing to do and you know uh, considering that mercedes lewis is probably in his last season this year uh oh, although uh, i think mercedes i said that last year Mercedes says he wants to play next year because um, I think he, he was talking about how if he plays in 2023, he will set the record for the is it the oldest tight end or the most uh, seasons in, in, in the NFL by a tight end. But right. so he said he wants to play 2023 as well if there's a team that um, has use for him. Well, let's let's cross that bridge when we get to it. But, you know, to be compared to a guy like Mercedes Lewis, who has done it so well for so long, that's high praise. Um, and then uh, Sal Canella um, also got some reps. Nate Becker obviously wasn't on the team yet. Sal Canella 
uh, played eight snaps. Six were as a blocker. Um, one of those six was pass blocking. So all, all these tight ends had one rep each in pass protection. He did a uh, pretty poor job run blocking. So again, it's only five reps, but I would have liked to see more from him. No question. A uh, small sample size, probably also against third stringers, but we'll see, right. you know, what, if anything, he gets to do and what chances he gets uh, against New Orleans this week. I, the question was floated to me earlier uh, by someone on Twitter. Do the Packers only keep three tight ends this year? And I, here's my quick thoughts on that is I really was expecting Dominique Daphne to be tight end four. I really was. And then he surprisingly got cut. And after that, I'm looking at it. I'm saying, I don't think any of these guys yet has earned a roster spot. You have three guys who have earned a roster spot and then four guys who haven't done enough to me to warrant giving them a roster spot. The Packers always keep four tight ends. And I think the fact that they are still bringing in guys, they brought in Nate Becker this year, this week, we got seven tight ends on the roster says to me that they are certainly looking for a fourth guy. I think they want to have four, but I do question whether they're going to get to the end of it and go, man, do we really want to keep Tyler Davis or would we rather, you know, keep uh, Juwan Winfrey? You know, you get into a situation like that. Yeah, and it, it very well could be a, a choice like that where you go your fourth or fifth tight end or uh, versus your seventh receiver. It, it, it is a tough decision, and I, I, I almost get the feeling, even though the coaching staff won't say it, I get the feeling that injuries are going to play a big role in what direction they go in with these yeah, final cuts. that's true. That's true. Let's talk about offensive line. Um, The guy who, if you were going to hand out like an MVP trophy for specifically an offensive lineman, I think you'd be hard pressed to decide whether you were giving it to Josh Myers, Zach Tom, or John Runyon, because I think all three of those have a pretty solid case for it. And I'll make the case for each one right now. Josh Myers had a 93 run blocking grade. Dude was absolutely perfect. His pass blocking uh, was below average. Um, he uh, did not allow any pressures, though, so that's nice. But uh, there were a couple times when he was, um, I felt, uh, a little bit slow getting off and um, seemed like he was struggling a little bit with uh, some of the bull rush. Uh, John Runyon was uh, the best pass blocker of the entire line. His run blocking was a little bit suspect, but the pass blocking was quite good. I, I've been really impressed with how John Runyon over the last three years has turned himself into one of the best pass blocking guards in all of football. And then Zach Tom, he was not quite as good of a pass blocker as John Runyon, not quite as good of a run blocker as Josh Myers. But across the board, he was rock solid. I felt like... um. Uh, little bit out there at right tackle. Uh, I, I would like to see a little bit more um, disciplined footwork from him. But overall, uh, I, I can see why the coaches are so desperate to get him worked into the offensive line uh, anywhere they can find a spot for him. Yeah, and I think he he definitely has a lot of promise, and they love that versatility. So that's uh, a good thing. I think Runyon – probably to me stood out as somebody who just played a very solid game all the way around. 
He, to me, really should be the left guard when push comes to shove starting the season. I was very happy with seeing what Josh Myers did. He appears to be taking a second-year jump, and when you consider he only played six games in his first season, uh, you know, getting him some more reps made a lot of sense, even though he is a projected starter. Uh, Zach Tom, again, uh, he's definitely ahead of Sean Ryan right now as far as where he's at. I think he's seeing some reps with the first team, some reps with the second team. I think he's got a lot of promise, but still making some of those rookie mistakes at times and maybe playing him at multiple positions right now makes sense, but it also may slow down his development at any one position. Jake Hansen, um, I thought maybe decrease his stock a little bit just from where it's been here in training camp because the pass blocking just here's the thing. He's such a small guy. Um, I saw, I saw a couple people saying like, you just, you can't stick him in there at guard. He's just not big enough. Uh, he really only belongs at center. And I think that maybe there's some validity to that. Uh, I'm impressed with his work ethic and the way that he's uh, elevated his game so much this off season. Um, you know, when you look at where he's been in the last couple of years, which is kind of just lumpy, but, um, I, I, I was a little bit concerned with the way he was getting pushed around, uh, did not allow any pressures. So good for him. Uh, but, uh, I, I, I saw Eye in the sky on Twitter is an account that I really like. And, and he was saying, oh man, this preseason game shows one thing. Hanson's only good for center. I think I kind of agree with the conclusion, but not as strongly. It's kind of where I come down. Um, and then Sean Ryan, the other guy who's getting reps um, at uh, right guard, again, a good run blocker. And the pass pro was really uh, icky to watch, I felt. Yeah, I, I thought Hansen was mediocre at best. I don't think he helped his stock. They're trying to see if he can be the next Lucas Patrick to right. be sort of that swing back up interior guy. And I think right now he still hasn't proven to me that he's ready to do that. I'm trying to think which direction to go here. Caleb Jones has been getting reps with the second string offensive line at left tackle. Um, he was just a bruiser in run blocking. Just yep. absolutely a monster. He's and a big man. man. Pass blocking, I think he's still not moving fast enough. He's got to get those feet moving faster. I know he's dropped some weight. I don't know if he needs to drop more weight or if he just needs to work on those feet a bit, but I think that's still a bit of an issue is his pass pro. I think um, I think that he's on a path to maybe at some point by the end of the year getting into a, a position where he is Yash Nyman. You can, you can put him out there as a backup swing table, uh, swing tackle uh, break glass in case of emergency. I'm, I'm not putting him on my 53 yet, but dang, if I'm not starting to get close, I'm not putting him on the 53. I think he is, you, you mentioned a comparison to Yash and I think that's an apt comparison, but you also have to remember it took Yash, what, two years before he was actually able to contribute. So but you weren't you weren't seeing this level of um, trust from the coaches and this level of play from Yash in preseason games or in training camp for his first two years that he was that he was uh, you know just a developmental guy in camp. You were you were kind of seeing yeah. nothing from him. 
I, I but I think Yasha is a little bit more mobile and a little bit. I, Which I is would the not, knock on Caleb Jones. Yep. Right. I would right. not trust Caleb Jones under any circumstances right now at well, left he's a, tackle. He's a 2022 undrafted free agent. But we're talking about is what he's on track for even even by the end of this year. Like, do, yeah. do we do we think that he has a shot at winning a roster spot? I think maybe he does have a shot at winning a roster I, spot. But I think he's I think he's the perfect candidate for the practice squad in that you talked about the footwork. You talked he needs to adjust to speed, whether it's weight loss, footwork, technique, some probably a combination of those factors. Uh, I I think he is a developmental player at this point. And having him go out there in a preseason game and look good, and he did look good, is one thing. But having him go out there against Zadarius Smith and Danielle Hunter, that's a whole different animal. And I don't know if he's ready for prime time yet. Let me give you, um, let me put it to you this way. I, I, I don't think you're wrong, but let me put it to you this way. Um, pick one guy to make the roster. If, if I told you one of these four was definitely making the roster, who would it be? Michael Minette? Ty Clary, Rasheed Walker, or Caleb Jones? Out of those four, yeah. I would probably take Caleb Jones. All right. And then uh, Caleb Jones or Jake Hansen? Jake Hansen at this point. Okay. All right. Um, I think that's about would you agree it. with that? or I probably would agree with it, but I was curious what your answer was going to be. Okay. Okay. It's about it for the offensive line uh, on the defensive line. TJ Slayton struggled a bit in run defense. I think that's something he's got to clean up. He's absolutely monstrous in pass rush, which you don't would really not expect from a guy of his build, but uh, he's got to get the run defense cleaned up a bit. Uh, coaches are still happy with him, but that's something he's got to work on. What did you think about what you saw from Jack Heflin? Heflin was hustling, and he also looks to have taken a step forward from last year when he had a great July and August, but, you know, he was sort of a fringe roster player overall, only appeared in, what, three or four games during the regular season, but I think he has taken a step forward, and he has the potential to maybe make this roster, even with the additional depth they have on the defensive line. He was making plays and uh, he was penetrating and making plays. And I thought he did a very good job. Your thoughts. Um, Heflin. Uh, I, his tackling was a problem to me. Um, I, I thought he was in the right place at the right time. And then would kind of just, um, you know, he had a, he had one missed tackle that was really bad. And then there was uh that was actually attributed to, to him. There was another one that I thought should have been attributed to him. That was not. Um, he did have two run stops to make up for it. So, uh, you know, if you're just into the counting stats, uh, you know, that, that's that's pretty good. Um, overall, I, I thought Jack Heflin's stock rose a little bit, but it's, you know, at this point, at this point, it comes down to how many defensive linemen they're going to keep. They got five who I think are making the roster no matter what. And it's just a matter of are they going to keep a six? And if they keep a six, I think it's clearly Jack Heflin. Yeah, I, I think he's got the uh, the edge right now at that spot, and I'd like to see him stick around. I just like the way he hustles. Chris Slayton got some love from fans on Twitter. I, I didn't see it myself. I, I didn't see the uh, exciting play, but smarter than smarter people than me, like uh, Sam Holman, were gushing over over Chris Slayton. I, I just 
you know, he, he never really stood out to me um, all that much. I know he had four tackles. He did have uh, one hurry on the quarterback. So uh, good for him for getting after it. But um, most of the time that he was out there, I kind of felt like he was just a little bit, just kind of hanging around. Well, I, I, he made a lot of tackles. He was, he was active. Do I think he was spectacular? No, but you got to remember he, what did he, he was signed after a tryout uh, at OTAs. And I think he is, he was brought in and everyone thought, okay, he's a camp body. Well, Slayton, Slayton was claimed off waivers from the 49ers, I think. Right, right. So, you know, he, but he wasn't, not a lot was expected of him uh, when, when they signed him. And the fact that he was sort of active and, and, and out there doing things that people were not expecting from him uh, raised a few eyebrows. But uh, again, I'm not ready to say, you know, he was in on six total tackles, three unassisted, three assisted. Uh, that is most on the team tied with Isaiah McDuffie in the game. O- overall, he showed more than was expected from him. And now the question is whether that's enough to get him on the practice squad. There you uh, go. I-, I think he's a- still a long shot for the 53. Um, at pass rusher, I think no question about it. The superstar here was Kingsley and Agbar. The dude uh, has not done jack squat up until the preseason game in training camp, just real quiet, uh, not, you know, not real overwhelming. He turned it on when the lights came on. And by all reports, after the 49ers game, he has still looked electric in training camp. Of course, you had the Saints come in. You had these uh, live practices against the Saints. You know, uh, people are floating the idea that maybe he's just a guy who turns it on when the lights come on and he doesn't thrive when he's just in shorts and just asked to, you know, run through drills and stuff. But when he's actually in a game, that that's when he comes alive. Um, I'll take it. You know, I, I'd like a guy who could kind of consistently produce no matter what. That's that's something that I really like. Um, and I, I do question a little bit, you know, if he's just somebody who really feeds off of energy, what happens late in the year when you're worn down and tired? You know, is is that going to have a big effect on you if you have to be all pumped up and jacked up and have a lot of energy going to produce? But Kingsley looked fantastic. Uh, very good tackler uh got after the quarterback he had a sack a hit and a hurry you'd love to see it um he also had a run stop um one uh, one tackle one assisted tackle he was kind of all over the place causing problems uh made me really happy yeah i was very pleased with what he showed and he continued that this week in practice which is fantastic and it looks like it may have taken him a, a week or two longer than we wanted, but the light has gone on and we're starting to see him live up to some of his potential. So if you think the Packers are going to keep five pass rushers, which, which would be about average for them, sometimes they only keep four, but if they kept five, Rashawn and Preston are clearly there. And I would say Kingsley as a fifth round pick this year who has shown some stuff. Um, I, I would basically put him as a lock for the roster as well. So assuming you agree with that, you got, probably two more roster spots to divvy up between Tipanaliai, Jonathan Garvin and Ladarius Hamilton. I asked our listeners on Twitter. Uh, first of all, who would you say is our edge three? 87% of the vote went to uh, Kingsley and Agbar. The remaining 13% all went to Jonathan Garvin. Tipa and Ladarius got zero votes for edge three. Um, 
So then I asked, which edge do you think will not make the roster? This is kind of my way of like, if you got these final three, Tipa, uh, Garvin, and Ladarius, it's like pick two to make the roster. All right. 65% of listeners said Ladarius Hamilton is going to be the guy who doesn't make the cut. Uh, Gil, what is your thought on that? I think uh, I think Garvin makes the team uh, and Igbari makes the team. And then, you know, that last spot, that's a tough one. That That is a tough one. I'm going to think that Hamilton has a slight edge over Tipa, but special teams is going to be the determining factor, I think. Okay, special teams is certainly a thing, and, and that, that's going to give uh, Garvin an edge. Um, but I will say, I think uh, I would have Tipa ahead of Garvin and Ladarius. Um, here's the biggest reason. Tipa last year was uh, the highest graded run defender on the team. Um, it, you know, when, when you're trying to figure out who's going to be your edge three, that run defense is so crucial. Uh, you can't have somebody out there who is a liability in – uh, run defense on the edge. Got to have somebody who can seal up there. And that is certainly not Kingsley's strong suit. I think Kingsley's making the team, but Kingsley is a absolutely a liability in run defense right now. His entire skill set as of today is pass rush. I think that he uh, certainly can improve that run defense um, and become a really, really valuable contributor for the team. But right now that run defense is not where it needs to be. So I'm putting Tipa at edge um, four, three or four. Um, I think probably for me, <sighs> Hamilton might be the odd man out, but I think mm. it's close between Garvin and Hamilton. And and you can see how close all three of these guys are, um, you know, in terms of like everybody has a different opinion on on the order. It's like put it in any order and there's people out there, a large group of people who who agree with you. The other guy to consider is just that Kobe Jones had himself a day against the 49ers, he was, um, aside from an ag bar, Kobe Jones, I would say is the other guy who really stood out and then has put together a strong week of practice following that game as well. Um, in, uh, joint practices with the saints, he had, uh, what was it? Did he have a, a tipped ball or a tackle for loss, something on one play and the very next play, which was uh, third down, he came up with a sack. Uh, so, you know, the dude is out there wrecking stuff and making plays. I think he had a long way to go to catch up with the three to four guys ahead of him. But I think, um, you know, if he can put together another week that looks like this one, I think he'll be right there in the mix with them. Yeah. And, uh, it's going to be close. I think this is one of those things that the the next two games are really going to be important. Those last two preseason games in figuring out who gets the spot. Isaiah McDuffie looked like a stud at inside linebacker. Uh, Joe Barry had high praise for him talking about, you know, um, a lot of the time rookies come in and they, they just don't do anything right away. And as a coach, there's a temptation for you to be like, what is this guy even doing here? Get him out of here. But you got to be patient with them. uh, Joe Barry said, because they can develop and really turn into something special. And it sounds like that's where Isaiah McDuffie is now. So my question to you is what did you think of Quay Walker? Uh, in our first uh, real look at him in a game? Uh, you know, it was interesting. I liked the fact that he started. I liked the fact that he was actually calling defensive signals when he was in the game. He only played 15 snaps. And, you know, he wasn't involved in in a lot of plays per se. So I don't think he necessarily showed a lot. 
but I was encouraged that he was starting and, and with the fact that he was out there. A lot of people were upset and nervous about the defensive backs, the safeties and cornerbacks. You know, we have talked to pretty great extent about how quickly the talent drops off behind your top five starters in uh, Amos and Savage, Jair Stokes and Rasul. And after those five guys, there is kind of a steep cliff. We've talked about that a bit. And, you know, even as recently as just a couple of weeks ago, I was kind of poo pooing that drop off a bit. And I, I think I, I think I might have to walk that one back a bit. I think it's maybe a bigger deal than I initially thought. Overall, I didn't think it was like horrifically bad, but they were struggling in coverage. Um, were there any, safeties or cornerbacks who stood out to you in a really positive way? Uh, Really positive? No. I think Shamar Jean Charles showed a little progress from where he was a year ago. I was happy with that. But boy, were there some bad plays out there from (laughs) from the secondary. Those long touchdowns, frustrating to watch for sure. Yeah, Rico Gafford, who has, um, I, I would say, borderline earned himself a roster spot already with his special teams play. Certainly doesn't give you any um, confidence in him as a defender. So that's a big question. Um, a lot of people thought that KB Ento and Keandre Thomas looked good, and they did great out well. I was really underwhelmed with what I saw from them. But maybe yeah. that's just me. I, I didn't hear a lot of other people echoing that same sentiment, but I was Overall, you know, when I got to the end and saw that they both had roughly like an 80 overall grade, I had kind of had to scratch my head at that one. I didn't think they looked that good. Um, I thought a new addition, Micah Abernathy, that we picked up last week, he made a couple plays that um, had me nodding my head. I was appreciating seeing that. Dallin Levitt, who you would think based on the way that Basachi has been talking about him and just the kind of massive special teams contributor he's already been, you would think that he would have a roster spot locked up just because of special teams. But again, on defense, you know, he did get hurt, but uh, on defense, he did not look good before he got hurt. No, I I don't think he did. It it was, in fact, he looked bad at times out there. So uh, the injury sort of changes things. I think he may start the season on uh, IR, but we have to see. Um, Here is a positive. All right. Uh, looking at the entire defense, I'm going to read off to you three names. Jonathan Ford, TJ Slayton, Jack Heflin. All right. Now, besides the position that they play, do you know what they all have in common? They're the only three guys on the entire defense who did not have fantastic tackling grades. Everybody else had tackling grades in the 70s. And you know what I've been saying all along? A defense that tackles well is a good defense. And uh, after the the embarrassing Saints debacle last year, you remember I got on my soapbox and I said, yep, it sucked, but they tackled well. And that has me really encouraged for what this defense can do going forward. So I like seeing that even in this preseason game, even looking at the uh, third, fourth, fifth stringers, you were still seeing consistently good tackling from everybody except for our uh, uh, defensive line who really need to step that up. Yeah, and and those three players are probably not going to see extensive action on the field during the regular season anyway if they make the team. So, yeah. Yeah, TJ Slayton, uh, I think we do expect to be a a pretty big contributor, but uh, Heflin and Ford, no. Yeah, exactly. So uh, the overall tackling grade, definitely impressive. And we know 
as people who have been covering this team for a while and, and who have been rooting for this team for even longer, tackling has been frustrating as heck at times Absolutely. when you watch this defense. Having 18 players with good tackling grades, man, that does warm your soul. All right, uh, we're going to get out of here. That's it for us today. We'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter, at Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or ask us questions. You can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com